Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. And we're going to be jumping into the Bible today, and we're going to be looking in Philippians. Um, and we're going to be looking at this uh, theme in some ways of telling a story. And I love the fact that we had Daisy at the front telling us just a little glimpse of her story. Uh, I don't know about you, but I love stories. Do you love hearing stories? I, you know, when you find someone, you've got a friend who's like, you're just a great storyteller. And it's like, ah, oh, yes, give us another story. And they've always, great storytellers always have stories, don't they? It's like, it's, it's, honestly, it's a gifting. And my one frustration is that I... I'm not very good at telling stories. I end up talking far too much, giving too much detail to the point that people are like, oh, seriously, Matt, just get on with the story. It's like, oh, yeah, but I, just, I love stories. I love hearing stories. I love telling stories. And I mean, I was thinking, why, why are stories so great? And it's because um, they, like, they involve you in it or they, they can immerse you in it. A good storyteller will get you sucked in into what that story is all about and you feel like you're a part of it and, and today we're going to look at a guy's story in the Bible and, and why that's so important and, and what um, changed in his life and how his own life story is so powerful and I want to say this morning that your life story is powerful, like don't ever underestimate your story. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, you know, talking about in, in, in church world, in Christian world, we might call it your testimony about how you may have met, Je- how you've met Jesus and how he's changed your life. That's in some ways what testimony means. And some people can really underestimate. I knew I used to be that, underestimate a testimony because like, well, it's not, I've not gone like so far this way and then been brought so far that way, like that radical change. But we're going to see about a radical change. But I believe that if we have met Jesus Christ, then there is a radical change. There should be a radical change. And in some ways, that's going to be the challenge to us this morning as we look at this story and as we think about our own stories. There we go. Time is now working. Um, yeah, so... It's funny because last night I was with some friends and we were chatting about, we were, we were telling each other stories. And I don't know if you've ever like, what you're like with your friends, but like you say a story and then you might, someone might tell a story and then you think, oh, I've had a similar experience and then you share your experience. And then someone's like, oh, well, I've had a similar experience. It's like, it goes around and it's like the story sharing game. Um, last night, somehow, and I don't know how, but these stories came one after another. One story about how someone got a black eye during a Nerf gun war fight, followed by how a seagull was killed with a golf ball. How they're similar, I do not know. But they were the stories that were being told um, last night with my, some friends, and it was pretty funny, and I just loved that. Um, but as I said, your story is, is so powerful, especially if you're a Christian, because your story is living proof that God is alive and at work today. You see, we can read stories in the Bible that we're going to read this morning. We can jump into this and we, we can be challenged and we can be transformed and God can bring revelation. He can open up our hearts and our minds about who he is when we read this text But just look around the room. There are people sat in these chairs here where God has moved in a way that's changed their life. And you can see that the same God who who works in in these scriptures here is at work this very day in these very times. And that is an amazing thing. So don't ever underestimate your story. 
We're jumping into Philippians, as I said. Um, So some text is going to come up on the screen. We're going to be reading from Philippians 3. Um, This is from the Message Translation. So if you're you're reading it thinking, that is not in the Bible, um, it's in the Message version. (laughs) It's a little bit different. uh, But I think it's great the way that this, this brings this out, this topic that we're going to be looking at today. So I'll read it. It says, even though we can list what many might think are impressive credentials. This is Paul writing to the Philippian church. You know my pedigree. A legitimate birth, circumcised on the eighth day, an Israelite from the elite tribe of Benjamin, a strict and devout adherent to God's law, a fiery defender of purity of my religion, even to the point of persecuting the church, a meticulous observer of everything set down in God's law book. You see, Paul is writing to this church because... This church is basically getting under attack from the Jews around them saying, you're not living how you're supposed to be living. You know, we're supposed to be living under this thing called the law. There are all these rules that you're supposed to be keeping. And they're like saying, like, you're not keeping these things. And Paul's, Paul's writing to this church saying, I used to do all of this. These are my credentials. This is my history. This is my story. The very credentials these people are waving around as something special, I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? This is it. Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life, compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand. Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting in Christ, God's righteousness. Does that not excite anyone in the room this morning? Yeah? Amen to that. You see, Paul, as I said, he's writing this letter to the Philippian church, and um, they're like being bombarded, effectively. This is a church that he set up, and they're being bombarded by, sent by the, the Jews, being like, you need to be doing this, you need to be doing that. And Paul's basically writing to them, saying, that used to be me. If, if anyone was to convince you of doing these things, then surely it would be me, because I was the epitome of that. I used to be the very best at that. If you look down the list of, of, um, of what he says, he's, he's like, he was circumcised on the eighth day, which they, you, as, a, as a, a baby boy, that's what you did in that culture, in that religion. He was born into the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. He was, part, he was a Hebrew. He was part of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Pharisee. He had zeal in what he did. Um, he was blameless in the sight of the law. You see, he did all these things to society he looked like he was the man. He looked like he had it all together. He achieved what he'd gone out to achieve. He was successful. He had all of it. Whatever he wanted, he had. And yet, what does he say? Because of Christ, all of that is worthless. Because of Christ, I am not chasing after that anymore because it's trash. It is nothing. Everything that I once sought after that this religion is telling you to chase after, I used to do that, but when I met Christ, it became insignificant for me because he is so much more. And that's not what Christian faith is all about. There's there's a whole list of things that I have to do. And he understood that. You see, Paul is basically saying to them, don't listen to this argument that they're trying to um, persuade you with. What they're saying is a load of nonsense. Why? Because I used to teach it. Like That's his credibility. It's like, I used to be them. 
So if anyone was to convince you of that, then surely I would convince you, but I'm not. I'm reminding you of who you are in Christ because he is worth it all and all of that is worthless. As I say, by the standards of the day, Paul was the main man. And so I guess for the radical change that we see in his life, like that is going to be a shock. That is going to be something that people stop and take notice of. A twist in his story. Because what does Paul then write after he lists off these credentials? He writes this in verse 7. He says, Everything that was gained to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. Everything. Not just one thing, not just two things. Everything that he had, he's considered to be a loss because of Christ. Because he had this radical encounter with Jesus. Have you had a radical encounter with Jesus in your life? Have you met him? Have you said yes to him? Have you, have you um, said, you know what, you're going to be king of my life. I want you to be Lord and saviour of my life. All the stuff that Paul once chased after, he's like, I don't need to chase after that anymore. That's not what it's about. That's not what life is about. That's not my life purpose. That's not my life calling. When he met Jesus, he realised that it was all worthless. He says, doesn't he? He says it was nothing. He said it was garbage. He says it was dung. Whichever translation you read, he says... It was nothing compared to knowing Christ. Nothing compared to knowing Christ. So I've got a question for you this morning. Do you know Christ? Do you know Jesus? Now, I don't just mean do you know him as in, oh yeah, I know of him. Because Paul knew of him. He was the one who was trying to tear it all down. He knew who Jesus was and what he was about, but he didn't really know him until he had that experience. He didn't really know him for for what he was all about and how he, he wanted to have a personal relationship with him. So do you know him this morning? Not just up here, but do you know him in here? Does your soul cry out for him? Is everything in your life worthless compared to him? Do you know Jesus this morning? Have you had that encounter? Daisy's story. Love hearing about Daisy, even just a small glimpse of it. And how she had an encounter with Jesus she knew of him when growing up, but then she had an encounter with him. She saw him for who he really was and how he loves her and how he's going to change her life, how he had a calling for her life. And she now lives that out. I love that. Stories are powerful. Your story is powerful. Don't ever underestimate your, the power of your story. If you are a Christ follower this morning, the moment you met Jesus was the moment that your story suddenly became alive where it became on fire, where it became a moment in, your, in time that people can see something's changed. And I want some of that. You see, Paul understood when he met, when he had an encounter with Jesus, he, he understood that his life wasn't about religion, but it was about a relationship. It wasn't about following a list of rules, but it's about allowing the saviour of the world to to live in him and to love him and to him to just want to love him back and to build that relationship between the two of them. It's about relationship. And he's trying to tell the Philippian church, "You you know this stuff. I've taught it to you. You know it. You've said yes to it. So remember it. Don't get bogged down by everything that they're trying to say. Remember the relationship that you have with Jesus. See, we read all of this scripture in this book, both Old and New Testament, and it all points to this one man called Jesus. All of it, and it points to the fact that you can have a relationship with him. I want to ask you the question, do you? 
Do you have a relationship with him? See, Paul worked hard. He worked really hard. I'm not saying working hard and being successful is a bad thing, because it's not. And God blesses and he pours favour on, on his children. But you see, Paul was seeking after that, and that became his main thing. That was his focus for his life. And when he had an encounter with Jesus, he changed his focus, and his focus became the Lord. What's your focus this morning? What's your focus? Because Paul goes on to say that the goal in life for him was to know Christ, to know Christ in his fullness. Not just know him as in, oh yeah, that's Jesus and he does this sort of thing and he's, I'm keeping him at arm's length, but to know him so I invite him in to allow him to change me. To know in this context when he writes, is to, is Paul's basically saying, the goal for me is to have a full experience of who Jesus is. I don't just want to head knowledge know him. I want to fully experience the power of Jesus in my life. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing for us to wake up each morning and say, Lord, I want to know you today. I want to have a full experience of your power in my life today. Would you come and would you meet me? Would you bring revelation to me? Would you reveal yourself to me? I want to know firsthand because you're a living God. I want my story to be powerful. I want my story to be life-changing. I want other people to look at me and see that there's something different because you're working in and through me. That's a bold prayer to pray on a Monday morning. Paul realised this, this isn't religion. The purpose of life isn't religion, it's relationship. It's relationship. Do we have relationship with the Father this morning? For some of us, I bet that relationship is like this. And you're so tight and you're on fire and you're loving it. For others, it may be a little bit like this. And it's a little bit of a gap between us and we've wandered away. For others of you, I haven't even got a relationship. Well, today you can have one. There's good news that you can have one. This is open to anyone. He wants to have a relationship with every single person in this room. So I'd love for us just to take a moment now where you're sat. If you're a Christ follower and you've said yes to Jesus, I want you to just cast your mind back now to that moment that you met him for the first time. We read in the scripture about Paul, how when he first encounters Jesus on um, the Emmaus Road and how that radically changed his life. What was that moment for you? And if you're not a Christ follower, then maybe, as I said, today's the day and you've got an opportunity to say, just in your seat where you are, you can say, I want to say yes to you, Lord. I want to say yes to you, Jesus. I don't understand what it's all about, and that's absolutely fine, because this is a faith journey. But Lord, I pray, I pray right now, this morning, that we would have an encounter with you. Lord, one like no other. Would you come and reveal yourself to us this morning? Lord, I pray that you'd remind ourselves of that time when we first met you, for those who, who know you, who really know you. And Lord God, we'll continue to see you at work in our lives. Lord, that it wasn't just a one-time decision that we made however many years ago, but this is a decision that we come back to daily. Say, yes, Lord, I want more of you. Yes, Lord, I want more of you. And Lord, I pray for, for anyone out there who maybe doesn't know that they know you today. And you might be speaking to them right now, and they might be thinking, oh my gosh, what is going on? Why are my palms sweaty? Why is my heart beating really fast? That's, I believe that that's the Holy Spirit that's speaking to you, saying, I want to I be in a relationship with you. I love you. You're my child. You've been fighting me all these years. But the offer is always there to say yes to me. He's saying, will you say yes to me this morning?
Amen. See, when Paul writes this, he then goes on to, to say, like, I'm not doing all this stuff. We're not called to be doing all this stuff that they're trying to say, but this is what we are supposed to be doing, and this is what I'm doing, and this is, uh, I'm writing this to try and help you with your journey of faith. So after that passage that we've just read, Paul then goes on to say this, but I focus on this one thing, Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. See, Paul, he's understood that it's not about religion, but it's about a relationship. And he sets out these, what we can take as almost three um, points for, to help us in that pursuit of Christ, in that pursuit of knowing Christ in his fullness and we know that Paul is a great preacher and teacher because he uses three points and they all begin with the same letter. So it helps us remember, focus, forget, and forward. And also I've snuck in the word future, so there's four, but I'm just being a little bit cheeky there. So focus, let's dive into this. What does it mean to focus? I mean, we've been saying this word so many times in the last month and a half. It's ridiculous. If you're not focused by now, if you've been coming to Ivy and you're not focused by now, then we've got to do something. I don't know if just me saying the word focus is going to help you focus, um, but I probably said it 20 times already this morning, so God help us in our focusing. But these are important questions. They're important questions. What do you focus on? Who is your focus? And thinking about this, I was thinking of another question that I could ask that doesn't use the word focus, and it was this. It's like, what is your life's purpose? Like, really, what do you see the purpose of your life being? Is it to be successful? Is it to have the fancy car or the big house? Is it to reach the top of the ladder in your job? Like, what is the purpose of your life? Surely we've all got to ask that question. We're not just here and then that's it. It's like, we're just nothing. I don't believe that anyway. I believe there's purpose to my life. And therefore that gives me focus. When I know what the purpose of my life is, I can be focused on it. You see, Paul's saying, I don't have a hundred things that I'm going to be thinking about in my head. I don't even have two things. He says, I have one thing. And he's referring to Christ here. I have one thing that's gonna, uh, that I fix my mind on. One thing. You see, I don't know about you, but for me, I find it really hard to keep focused. <laughs> it, I find it so hard. There's so many distractions in the world today that just rob you from your focus. Whether it's on Jesus or whether it's on a task that you've got to do at work or whatever it is, it's like it's so hard to just be focused on one thing at a time. And I don't know if you've been reading the book um, that we've got for sale. It's the uh, John Mark Comer book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. You can buy it for a tenner cash only today. There's a little plug um, for that book. Uh, I encourage you to get it. If you read that or if you listen to his podcast about this um, area of hurry and we just need to slow down, he speaks a lot about this, about this device, our mobile phones, and how, and I am becoming more and more convinced that this is the reason for my distraction, that that is the reason that I can't focus because of everything that's going on there. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing because there's some great stuff that we can do with the phones. The fact that we have connection with a lot of people and we've got information at our fingertips, it can be used in a great way. So please don't get me, uh, don't hear what I'm not saying and that this thing is, is awful, but I'm saying for me, it can be a massive distraction. And it's robbing me of my focus where it needs to be. Maybe that's a challenge for you. 
But I wanted us to, as I was preparing for this, I wanted us to maybe just take a moment to practice focusing. Just forgetting everything else that's going on. So this isn't a time to check your Facebook status. This is a time to just focus on the creator, on the one thing, the one thing that Paul says he's focusing on, that he wants his church to focus on, that we take encouragement for us to focus on. Just now, just for a moment, close your eyes and just focus on God. And a great question to ask when you're focusing with him is like, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? And then you just wait, pause and wait and hear what he has to say. And it's good just to relax, take a big deep breath. See, when we focus, when we focus on Christ, for me, I wrote this, I read, focus is to fix yourself on Christ so that Christ can fix you. We fix ourselves on him so he can fix us. Lord, I pray that you would help us this week with our focusing on you. Lord, I pray against all the distractions that this world just throws at us. That we'd be able to ignore them. Lord, help us in our discipline for that. Help us capture our thoughts to be thoughts that are focused on you. That are chasing after what you've given us to... Help us in our pursuit of you, Lord, for the purpose that you've called us into. After Paul says about how he he focuses, um, he then sort of says, he gives some advice as to how he focuses. So there's like two things that he says, um, that he talks about that enables him to focus. And the first one is he forget, uh, yeah, to forget. So he says, I focus on one thing, but then I forget the things of the past. Now I know forgetting is sometimes quite an, it's an easy thing to say and a hard thing to do, isn't it? Especially if there's something that hurts. If something hurts, it's, like it's hard to forget that. And I'm not saying don't forget everything, because God does some amazing things that we want to remember. We want to remember the faithfulness of God. We want to remember the goodness of God. But there can be things in life that rob us from fixing our eyes on him, that rob us from fixing our eyes on the future ahead that we do need to forget, that we need to lay down. And that was hugely significant for Paul because if you think about his past and what his past was like, his past used to be a person that was slaying the church. He's like, I need to forget that because that's how the enemy likes to jump in. Does he not? Keep niggling. If there's something that you've done in, in your past that you're like, oh man, I regret doing that. I've, I wish I'd never said that. 
And it just keeps on nibbling back at you. It's like the enemy saying, oh, do you remember when you said that? Remember when you did that? Remember when that person hurt you? Remember when that happened? Like all these things can rob us from our focus of what God is calling us into and looking forward. So I want to ask you the question this morning, what things do we need to forget today? Maybe it is like Paul in that sense of this being successful. Maybe it's failures that we've had in life. Maybe it's disappointments. Maybe it's regrets. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's even good things. Maybe there are good things that you have in your life that wouldn't necessarily be deemed as bad, but they're stealing you from the focus that God has called you to. They're stealing you from the, um, the pursuit of him and the relationship with him. Don't let the past keep you from what God has for your future. You know, that may, might mean that we need to forgive some people. That might mean that we need to forgive ourselves. But to forget means that we're not going back to the things that God has already rescued us from. You see, if we've dealt with it, maybe we need to deal with some stuff. That may be where we're at. We, need to, we, need, we haven't dealt with it yet, and therefore we need to deal with it today. But if you've dealt with something, and God's dealt with it, we don't need to be, keep going back to that. It's dealt with, it's done. Paul says, I forget the things of the past, but what? I focus, I look forward to the things of the future. He says, in some translations, he says, I'm straining forward. I'm straining forward to what is ahead. I press on to the goal. You know, when, when he talks about the word straining there, people often look at this um, verse in, in light of a runner, in light of an athlete, and how their posture is. And straining forward means to like lean in. Just like you see in a, a runner leans forward to get the aerodynamics and to get all the energy, and they're striving forward. It's like a dogged determination. I'm striving, I'm leaning in to what God is calling me. I focus on what is ahead of me, straining forward to what is ahead of me. See, Paul's like, I'm not going to give up on the pursuit of Christ because I know how much it's worth. I know that it's worth everything. Everything that I used to have is worth nothing. You can read stories in the Bible. There's a story in the Bible, um, a parable that um, is spoken about how a man sells all his possessions to buy a field. And you might think, that's stupid. Why would you do that? Because he knew what was in the field. The gold, the treasure, he sold everything for that one thing. And that's like us with our lives. Are we willing to give up everything for the pursuit of Christ? Because he is worth everything and all the more. And what is he in pursuit of? He's in pursuit of the prize, the prize of salvation, the prize of eternity with him. Not just to have a relationship with him here and now, but to have a relationship with him forevermore. That is what Paul is talking about when he talks about the race of life. We're all on this race of life. And the beautiful thing is, is it's not a case of, oh, if you stumble along the, in the race, if you fall over in the race, if, if you maybe deviate a little bit in the tracks and then you finish, that you don't get the prize. No, everyone who finishes gets the prize. We can all stumble, we'll all fall, we'll all fail, we'll all make mistakes, that's just who we are. But whenever we cross that finish line, we all get the prize. If we've said yes to him and we're in pursuit of Jesus. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking that the race that Paul's talking about is, is a race that's run each step by faith. Each step by faith. It's trusting, it's trusting, it's trusting. Each step I run in this race is by faith. Can I invite the band up, please? That'd be great. And I want to invite you all to stand as we just draw this to a close. Mm.
as I've just said, like this Christian life is not one full of no mistakes. But rather it's a case of we pick ourselves back up and we stumble and we carry on and we keep on going. And we know that when we get to the finish line that our Heavenly Father is there to welcome us home, to crown us with the prize, to say, you are my loved child, my loved son, my loved daughter. But what I felt God was telling me in all of this is that quite often we can think about this story, or at least I can when I, when I was reading it, and we can often think how this is something that I do on my own. You know, when you think about a runner and they said each runner's got to stay in their lane. But I felt God telling me, like, no. Number one, I'm with you in this. This isn't like I'm at the end and you've got to strive to get to me. He's like, eternity's at the end with me and I'm running with you in the race. But also that this is something that we do together as community, as family that we strive together, that we help one another, that we build each other up. That if someone stumbles and falls, we're there to pick them up and we, we help them carry them over the finish line maybe if we need to. This isn't something that is done on our own. See, God wants none of us to live without him, both now and for eternity. So he's asking like, Where's your focus? Who are you choosing? Who are you putting at the top of the list of your life? There's this quote that uh, I told my team a few weeks ago that was really stuck with me. In light of our story that we've been talking about and how powerful your story is, um, I believe it was Andy Stanley that said this. And he basically said, nobody notices a little difference. People only notice a lot difference. Not just a little difference. We need to be a lot different. You know, if you've said yes to Jesus in your life, then there should be a lot difference in your life. There should be something that's changed, just like Paul. I mean, that's a radical transformation of his life. When we say yes to Jesus, there's something that's changed within us that people are drawn to, that are seen the love of God inside of us. Don't just be a little different, be a lot different. That's my prayer for us tomorrow. Maybe if you agree with it and then you can say amen at the end. That's my prayer for me. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that as I step in to my Monday morning and to this week, every day of my life, Lord, that I wouldn't just be a little different in this world. But Lord, you would help me to be a lot different because I've said yes to you and therefore that means that there's radical transformation in my life. Lord, that I know what my purpose is in life as I'm straining forward to, to, towards you, to the prize that you offer of salvation, Father, I pray that my life would be a life that is noticeable to others. Not for my glory, Lord, but for yours, that people are drawn to who you are through me. And if you agree with that prayer, if you want that prayer for yourself, then say amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org slash media.